Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode. In this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, mental health, of course, but this time from the aspect, uh, the view rather, of teens. And for that, we have uh, author Laura Smith on the uh, on the show. She's going to be sharing uh, from her book uh, about her book and about mental health. Her book, Five Minute Devotions for Teens: A Mental Health Guide. Uh, before I tell you a little bit about her and bring her into the show, um, I do want to say whatever platform you're joining the conversation from today. Uh, we'd love for you to uh, subscribe, go ahead and download, follow, uh, leave a five-star rating there, and be sure to take the time to drop a review while you're listening today. Helps out so much in spreading the word uh, about this podcast uh, and getting all the content that we share here out uh, to more listeners uh, and growing that Grace Story community. The number one way that podcasts grow uh, and are, are, are discovered uh, is by word of mouth. So if you have the time uh, while you're listening, go ahead and share this uh, by text message this episode with someone you care about today and uh, get them into the Grace Story listening community as well. Now, uh, Laura Smith, uh, let me tell you a little bit about her and we'll bring her into the show. Laura Smith is a best-selling author of 12 books. She's a speaker and a Bible teacher. Uh, she describes herself as a fan of Jesus, her Prince Charming of a husband, their four kids, almond milk mochas, dark chocolate, music, books, and travel. Laura Smith speaks around the country sharing the love of Christ at conferences and events. She describes her work in this way. I tell stories to help others tear down lies and walk in the truth of Christ's amazing grace and abundant love. And we have Laura on the show today. Laura, welcome to Great Story Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Nate. It's great to have you here. You know, this topic that we're going to talk about, um, it seems like there's so many resources coming out, emerging for kids, teens, young adults in this realm of mental health. A lot of those from the secular point mm -hmm. of view, but certainly it's a need that uh, it seems to have never been greater. Um, and you have a book that's called Five Minute Devotions for Teens, a Mental Health Guide. Um, what, what maybe is your background around that and what maybe inspired you to write a book, uh, from the Christian perspective, a biblical worldview, if you will, surrounding mental health and teenagers? Sure. So I have no therapist psychology credentials whatsoever, but I am a mom of four kids. Um, my oldest is 24. I also have a 21 year old, a 19 year old and a 16 year old. We have two girls and two boys. Um, and honestly, just raising these awesome kids and seeing the high highs and low lows that they went through, um, everything from making the team and getting the part to um, being excluded from a gathering with people they thought were their close friends or not getting any playing time or, you know, all the things that happen to us as teenagers and we're super impressionable and um, also trying to parent them and pray for them through the um, COVID pandemic when they were all sent home. Um, our college kids were sent home and our high school kid 
Um, we had one high schooler then, and the other one was in middle school, like to be on their laptops in their rooms in isolation all day, every day, yeah. um, to do their schoolwork. Actually, you know, I know if you have younger kids, you were like struggling trying to parent them online, but the older kids just went into their rooms and closed their doors and were online um, doing their classes like that. And the isolation was really hard on their mental health. Um, and then recovering from that when they re-entered society, all of a sudden being back with people. So it really just comes from a pace of, place of love for my own kids and what I've seen them go through and how much Jesus makes a difference. And back to is really um, the biggest. I mean, he's the rock that we can stand on in all of these times. So that is where my heart is. This book is really a love letter to my kids um, and praying that between our combination of girls and boys and different ages and different personalities that that kind of compilation of what I pray for and prayed with my kids will um, speak and be a gift to other parents and kids out there. Yeah. I mean, we already knew that, you know, screen time, good grief. We, we, we'd all talked about it before the pandemic about how, no, no, we need to limit screen time, this, that social media. And then everybody was pushed kind of to that world. Uh, the isolation definitely, definitely had an effect. Um, and we're seeing that as we are emerging and good grief, the overwhelming, uh, senses uh, of, of going out back into the world, um, man, the challenges faced as you're trying to also download and inform yourself, learn how to critically think. I can't even imagine doing that uh, as you go back to college. But in your book, you intersect faith uh, and faith-based themes. I mean, it's a devotional uh, right. for kids uh, to the original uh, you know, psychologist himself, God in the Bible. Um, so with that, with that crucial topic, especially for teens, how did you approach blending faith and mental health in your book? Because I'll say there are critics that would say, you know, take the secular and put it over here with mental health and Bible is Bible. And if you try to put them together, you know, that, that, that theme, how did you go about weaving those together carefully? So it's so interesting to me, it took zero effort to weave them together because mm. let's be honest, Jesus cares so much about our mental health. I mean, he created us in his image. The Bible tells us to renew our minds. The Bible tells us to focus on things that are true and good and lovely. Um, we see people with mental health struggles in the Bible, like Elijah is suicidal. Mm. Um, and what does God do? He comes in and cares for him immediately. Um, so I think caring for your mental health is super biblical. I don't know how people can separate it, to be honest. Um, when I started doing research on mental health, um, and I've had my own mental health journey as well, going, I go see a counselor. And when I've done the research on mental health and I started working on this book and other projects, it was so cool to see like the top suggestions from mental health experts they're all biblical i'm like oh well that of course makes sense because god created us and he wants goodness for us he jesus said he came to give us a full life and abundant life um so of course the things that god instructs us to do and sets us up to do would help us have this full abundant life which is one where our mental health is more steady um so it's actually not hard at all to weave these things together it was just like Oh, yeah. So um, all these things that mental health professionals are telling us to do, and we can go into those in detail if you'd like, like yeah. are things that God tells us to do. So I think that's so cool. Let, let's camp out there because let's go down that road. What were some of those things that you, you discovered 
as you were going through the research, uh, specifically resonating with, you know, how to get this to resonate with teenagers? Sure. Um, so one of the big things mental health professionals will suggest is that you have community, um, that you have people you can count on and depend yes. on and talk to who will be there for you, who understand you, who you can process life with. Um, God created community on day six in the garden when he created Eve because he didn't want Adam to be alone. He said it's not good for man to be alone. So God created community from the get-go. Actually, he was in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before he even started creating the earth. Um, you know, we see in Hebrews that we're supposed to stir one another on to love and good works. And um, I believe it's Matthew 18 that says, you know, we're two or more gathered in my name. So community is so biblical, and God kept giving people people all the time. Like he let Noah's whole family come on the ark with them, right? Like he gave Naomi and Ruth each other. Like God kept giving people community. That's what he wants for us. And that's what mental health professionals say we should have. So that like made sense. And typically, and teens need community. Like that's important to them too. So they don't isolate and try to do it on their own. I feel like the tendency and, you know, trying to go back through my own teen journey uh, the tendency is to isolate because your community can be hard. For sure. You're, you're working with some unknowns. You can't control other people, but also you're learning. I can't control other people. I can only control myself, right. which my mom was saying since I was like five, but you know, it, it, it didn't set until 35. But yeah, the community aspect with that. I think sometimes as you're, as you're, as you were talking there, I was thinking sometimes God keeps giving us people in our life and community and we might push them away. It's like, why am I alone? Why am I lonely? Um, and it's it's really up to us to reach out and join community community because mm-hmm. there are opportunities with that. What are some of those other items you, you had besides community that you were looking at? Sure, um, giving thanks. Um, gratitude is a big mental health tip that any mental health professional will tell you is important for your mental health because when we are practicing gratitude, we cannot be experiencing um, anxiety or spiraling thoughts at the same time. Our brains, God literally created our brains. This is a scientific fact that we can't do both at the same time. We can't be worrying and giving thanks at the same time, which thank you, Jesus, for that. And then how many times in the Bible does it say to give thanks, to praise the Lord, um, to give thanks in all things, right? So practicing gratitude, um, whether that's your gratitude list or just like when you wake up each morning or before you go to bed tonight, each night, thanking God for one thing um, is really good for our mental health because it helps us remember that we do have goodness in our life. Um, even when things are hard, there is still good in our lives and it helps our brain stop from that spiraling and switches it back to a healthy place so we can get out of some of the darker or deeper thought spirals that can happen. Um, so gratitude is one. Um, getting outside is a big mental health tip. And of course, God created creation. So it makes sense when we're out in it that it's good for our mental health. Being create creative is a huge one, which God is the original creator and he made us in his image, meaning we are creators as well. Um, And doing anything creative from writing a poem to creating new code to coming up with a cute outfit um, is good for our mental health. Um, Helping others. I mean, we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves is a biblical command. And also when we help others, it's great for our mental health. Mental health professionals always say that because it gets us out of our stuff and actually shows us that others have needs. It gives us value and importance. Um, So those are just some of them that come to top of mind right away, but you can go on and on and on. Like, of course, God created us for goodness. So these things line up. They're not combating each other. They're actually, mental health professionals are actually just catching up 
to biblical <laughs> truth. Well, I'm actually taking notes over here because it's so good. Because I, I think when even going outside, I mean, from the beginning of time, God and Adam would just take walks. Yeah, they would so just sweet. take walks in the garden, yeah. uh, being creative. Uh, and it's not it's not uh, bad just to have a list. I mean, it seems like well, I should be you know able to spontaneously find these things in my life and refresh. No, write down a list, have a plan. Yeah. Um, before you go to bed, when you wake up. Um, cause my goodness, every day here, it's, it seems like something that's just, okay, yeah, I get you. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I really don't want to go to work today. Um, but I heard, uh, uh an illustration of somebody who was like, Hey, if, uh, if someone were to give you a million dollars, would you be happy? Said, oh yeah. Yeah. Would you be happy for a week, for a month? Yeah. I'd be happy for a while. And they said, if they said you could have a million dollars but not wake up tomorrow morning, would you still do it? They said, no, 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 no. I, I want to wake up tomorrow morning. They said, how much more valuable then is just waking just up? Just waking up. It's For a sure. gift every morning. For sure. Um, and maybe just write that down. You know, this is the day. Um, I'm going to do something with it. Uh, I love that. So as you're going through these and you're trying to make them resonate with teens, mm-hmm. how did you cross that over? Because I feel like even five minutes is – it's tough to get me to focus, let alone a teenager. Um, so how did you, how did you go like, Hey, we're going to get these kids, these teenagers, young adults to focus on this five minute devotional. Um, and how did you make it actually resonate with a, a teenager and what they're going through? And they may feel like I'm the only one. This is it. This, I, this is terrible. And life is, is not worth going on. You know, th- those thoughts do cross their mind. Sure, How'd you make sure. it resonate with them? So one, I just tried to make it really practical um, with real life examples of what a teen is going through. Two, I tried to make it really accessible. Um, five minutes, anybody has five minutes, right? And it's just, um, it's really, um, probably most of them take more like three, but there's a verse at the top. So they're getting biblical truth no matter what. Um, and we know that the truth will set us free. So to have that biblical truth as the header of each page, they're getting some biblical truth in them. Um, and then there's some short story or example um, that is applicable to their life. And then there's a little action step. So it kind of resonates. Um, and I tried to really use, again, my teens, what they've been through, the things I've prayed for them, with them, um, the things I've seen them go through. There's so much material as a mama for um, teenagers. Um, just like, what are they going through? What was the hardest thing for them this week? What was the hardest thing for them their freshman year? What was the hardest thing when they first learned how to drive? What was the hardest thing when they had an audition or a tryout? What was the hardest thing with friends that they've gone through? And I just kept using their real life um struggles without like giving away the secrets of traumas of my kids, but just trying to make them super applicable. Like I literally just opened this up. No one I was talking to you today. I just literally opened it up and didn't like pick a page. Um, but on day 27 it has the verse from Isaiah 43, one through two, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. So if they just read the verse, like praise Jesus, I hope that makes a difference to someone. But then the very first sentence is, there are days when you'll feel like you're in over your head, when you're drowning or stuck. Okay, so kids are like, okay, like this person gets me. Like I am having those days. Like I I feel this. And the next line says, but God says, don't be afraid. Why? And then it goes on. So um, I think just making it super applicable, like acknowledging stuff is hard. Um, not glossing it over and not doing that. Oh, you'll be fine, or just pray your way through it, or 
you know, the Bible says, don't be anxious. So don't be, um, <laughs> I think instead just like acknowledging like life is hard. There are problems. Um, and trying to like, literally just like you would talk to someone you love. Like I would talk to my team and be like, okay, I know this is hard. And, and yet we also know this is true. Well, with that, I mean, if you don't, first of all, if you don't have five minutes, you may want to take stock of your life and be like, Ooh, we need to back that up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, uh, something you could do right there for mental health for sure. But I mean, there's, there's people are driving to school. Uh, even if your kid is taking the bus, uh, you know, this is something where they can pull it out, get, take a look. Um, there may be some some uh, 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 peer pressure there, but encourage them. There's opportunities for that. It's uh, on audiobook so, too. So oh, the yeah, listen, you know, is helpful no for five minutes. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, and because, you know, teens, uh, there's preferences among teens just like there are adults. Surprise, right. they're not robots. Uh, they <laughs> have their own emerging needs and wants uh, and desires. So with that, you already touched on it a little bit as a conversation starter for moms and dads. And let's go down that road a little bit as this is a tool, uh, one tool that they can have. Mm -hmm. What are some other tools that have been helpful for you along with this book that you've created to make that connection with your kids, open the, 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 the portal there to talk to them about not only mental health issues, but, but faith and everything else involved there. Um, I think one thing is just being available for our kids. And I know in our culture, there's a lot going on and people are busy and people are working and their kids have activities. But um, I try to personally schedule some of my time for when I know they're coming or going. So like if I know I need to do some meal prep, but one of my kids is going to get home at 3.15, obviously it's not time to make dinner. Um, but if I can chop vegetables, like when they're coming home and just be in the kitchen as they're coming home, then I am more accessible to their comings and goings, which is conversation starts. And I know that not everyone's schedule is flexible. I work out of my house so I can do that. But think about your own schedule and your kid's own schedule and where you can be accessible to them. If that's carpooling them places and that's when you're accessible in the car together, find places you can be accessible. Then I think ask really good questions. Don't just ask, how was your day? Mm. Um, you know, ask is there anything that you're feeling overwhelmed by right now? Um, if you know that they have a coach that drives them crazy, just, you know, even how was the coach today? Were they in a good mood or a bad mood? Like if you know things that are their hot buttons or if a class is super hard for them, like how was it today? Like, did you guys do something really hard? Like, do you need help with it? Do you need a tutor? Just know, know your kid, know what their hot buttons are. I think also like inviting them into these things that we know are good for them. Like if we know getting outside is good for them, like say, Hey, do you want to go on a walk around the neighborhood? Um, if we know that helping others is good for them, say, Hey, can you help me set the table? Can you watch your little brother for 15 minutes while I take a shower? Um, it might seem like an imposition to them, but it will actually help their mental health to do that. Um, if you know being creative is good for them, then be like, Hey, can you help? You want to help make me make cookies? Um, like we can all make cards for grandma. I know it seems silly to color them, but she actually really loves it. If you draw something, you know, like, I think there's just so many opportunities to engage our teens um, and use these things. I think also what we model for them um, as far as praying and reading the Bible, I think praying for our kids is the most important thing we can do, to be honest. Um, and again, like I, I go into my kids' rooms every night and pray for them, even my big kids that still live at home. Um, and there are nights when they are just like not really paying attention to me and like getting out their clothes for the next day. 
but I can still pray those words out loud in their presence. And there are other days when they literally bow their head and want my hand on them to pray for them. Um, but again, paying attention to what's going on in their life. You know, they have a hard test, you know, say, dear Jesus, please be with them as they take this test that they can feel your calming presence with them, that the work they put into it comes out clearly, you know, um, if you know there's a friend that they're struggling with, please give them the words for that hard conversation with their friend. Please help them know how to deal with it. Um, and that models prayer for them to show them how easy it is to just talk to Jesus about what's going on in their lives and that Jesus cares about that stuff. Like they don't have to just pray for like world peace and ending hunger. They can pray for their very specific needs. I think when we model that for them. Yeah. With that, as I'm, as I'm listening to you and I'm hearing the modeling aspect, the modeling side of it, uh, man, that required parenting is already so much work, <laughs> but you have to allow time to work on yourself too, so you can model appropriately. For sure, absolutely. Uh, and you're and know that you're not going to get it right all the time, and you may not have gotten it right all the way up until this point. But being a, a spiritual leader in your home, um, when it falls to you to do that, uh, requires that you 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 actually have a deep relationship with your heavenly Father. Yeah, for and. Sure. If you haven't gotten it right to this point, start. Yeah, it's a new day, fresh start. And it may, and depending on how old your kids are, it may take some work there to be like, you know, there may be some eye rolling and like, what are you doing? Right. This is this is weird. I feel awkward, but you know what? The whole middle school to adult journey is just awkward. It is awkward for all um, of us. So right, might as well add in a little extra. And if you didn't get it, you know, this is the time to break a cycle. And pass Amen. on to your kids what you may not have got. Not in some way where, you know, like you want them to become the best little leaguer. Of course, we want them to do great, but not living vicariously through, but implementing and changing things so that you can move forward, break a cycle. And that is so hard. Yeah. That's hard. It, yeah. it involves breaking um, and yeah. mending, breaking and then mending. Um, wow. So, I mean, we could go down that. And, but knowing your kid, too, you mentioned that. Like, Understanding your kid is it, <laughs> a day-to-day thing. Sometimes it feels like. Um, with that, what and you mentioned a couple of them. What are some ways that maybe you can delve into your kid's life more and try to understand them and pull out of them? Because you mentioned specific questions, but understanding who they are and their needs, it seems like it's always changing. Um, how do you stay on top of that? Um, it is changing, and we're going to get it wrong. I mean, I. You know, I'll say something and my kids are like, mom, like I wasn't going to do that. Or like, why did you ask me that? Like, so, I mean, I get it wrong all the time. That was Uh, so five years ago. Or just not even like, uh, that's not even something I do or think about or, well, you know, I wasn't worried about that. So I get it wrong all the time. But I try to spend quality time with them. I try to, uh, what music are you listening to? What book are you reading? What movie do you want to watch? You know? Um, oh, you went out to eat with your friends. What did you get? What did they get? And sometimes it just creates some interesting stories. Well, you know, so-and-so always gets this, but I don't like that. You know, just anything. Just ask, you know, the kind of questions you would ask your friends. Um, as they're becoming teenagers, they are developing so many of their own tastes and likes and the ways they handle things um, that, you know, when they were little, they just did, they ate whatever you put at their place and you, they read what books you brought home from the library and they listened to the music you had on in the car, right? Like, so they're developing their own tastes and things. So, you know, what are you listening to? Who are you texting? And not to be nosy, but like, oh, what, you know, are you guys making plans? Like, you know, just ask what's going on with their life. Well, I am a firm believer that parents should be nosy. 
so my kids know, uh, you know, and it's certain. I, it's not extreme, but they know certain things like, uh, you know, that I will be asking them questions even at the age of seven, you know, uh, about their friends. And uh, it's not above, you know, like if, if certain bad things happen, the door to your room might come off, uh, you know. Oh, we, right, for sure. <laughs> and it sounds extreme <laughs> now, but I mean, I... It will, they'll be grateful for it later when they, yeah. they are protected and had an involved parent. Absolutely. Yes. So th- speaking of extreme uh, situations, uh, I have not had to take the door off my kid's room. They are, are more than willing to let me in, open the door at any time at this moment. The teens are coming, so I will see how that goes. But there are parents right now walking a journey with a teen in um, what some of us would, uh, their norm for us would be extreme with mm-hmm. the mental health journey of their kid, right. whatever that might be. I mean, there are, uh, and you know, trigger warning here, but there is cutting issues. Mm-hmm. Um, there are uh, substance abuse issues, mm-hmm. suicidal, uh, suicide, uh, suicidal ideation issues, um, very real things. Eating uh, disorders. Yeah. Absolutely. The right. list goes on and on and on. And it's confusing and it's, you know, why me? Why my kid? What did I do wrong? Self-blame, like, God, will you not intervene? Um, and as you're, you're going through this, it can feel a, lo- a lonely journey um, and overwhelming because you also have to provide for your family and you're working and you're doing all the normal things. So what advice would you give for parents who are walking that mental health journey as a mom yourself who's gone through some things? walking that mental health journey with their teen right now? I'd say number one is if you're in a more extreme situation or if you're concerned about your kid at all, get professional help. Like God has gifted professionals with training and knowledge and words. And the person who um, helps people with eating disorders helps hundreds of people with eating disorders. So you can try in your own home, but there's somebody who has real life experience, has been trained how to do it, who can help you. And that is a gift from God. So don't ignore the resources that are out there. Um, There are tons of amazing Christian counselors so it can still be seen through our biblical worldview. Um, So my number one thing is if your child is struggling, get help. Don't try to do it on your own. Um, Gosh, absolutely. I would say keep praying because Jesus does listen. He does care. Um, There's a beautiful passage, and I'm not going to be able to quote it right off the top of my head, but it says, um, Jesus healed all of them from their mental and and physical needs, um, or the mental and physical ailments. And it's like, oh, Jesus was healing people from mental health issues. So he cares a ton. So don't give up on praying for them. Um, And also, I would say, make sure that you're getting care too. Um, If you are helping somebody and being a care taker in something that is traumatic or draining or all encompassing or where you're worried a lot, make sure that you have community that is listening to you and praying for you, that you can go to a safe place. If you need to see a counselor to talk through it, please, please, please do. Don't be afraid to do that. You know, you can do so much online counseling now. You don't even have to be able to make it to an office or, you know, it's so much more convenient than it used to be. Um, So make sure you're getting care for yourself and make sure, I think both for your teen And for you, like one of the best things we can do for our mental health is to get enough sleep and make sure we're eating and staying hydrated. That sounds so simple, but both for our teens and ourselves, like when Elijah was suicidal, the first thing God did was bake him bread and give him water. 
He didn't say, Elijah, here are 10 steps to help care for your mental health. Like, I, like you need to have, start a gratitude list. No, he like makes them sleep and he gives them something to eat and drink. And that's the number one thing you can be doing for yourself and for your team too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God didn't just send over a Instagram post that said, I, I, I hope this helps you. Right. Actually, <laughs> actually came alongside, you know, if you see someone struggling, that may be one thing you can do for them is just bring over a meal and say, yeah, Hey, for sure. if you need to talk great, if not here, let's eat together. Yeah. Um, that's the basics. Yeah. There's also, I was thinking of, of how much, you know, and some people maybe have been hurt by the church body itself. For sure. Um, but the church is still a great place to go. Um, it's amazing how many, like it is, it is the first place a lot of people do go, um, because they don't know where else to go. And that's great. That is fantastic. It is a great place to go. But let me, let me frame a question for you along that line. How can faith communities and churches create a supportive environment, uh, especially for teens uh, is what I'm talking about, but teens dealing with mental health challenges. I feel like in a lot of places, there are people trying to be trauma-informed. There are people addressing mental health issues. And then when it comes to kids, it's like, well, you know, they're not around long enough to, you know, start a program or do this or do that. It's like, oh, it's, you know, they're growing pains or, you know, there's so many ways to kind of dismiss it. Um, or, you know, maybe it's just not thought of, I don't know. What, what are some ways that you think the church and church, uh, organizations can be more supportive for teens? I think by destigmatizing mental health, I think, unfortunately, not all churches, but a lot of churches still have a stigma around it, um, or are well intentioned by like, oh, you know, the Bible tells us to cast all our cares on God. So let's just do that. And that is great advice. To cast our cares on Jesus, I try to do that every day. But also, sometimes we need medical help, um, just like if you had any kind of ailment. Um, if you broke your arm, you would ask for prayer, and you would go to a doctor and have them set it correctly. Um, you wouldn't just rely on your church to heal it for you. And have people been miraculously healed, both mental health and physical health through prayer? Amen. I've seen it happen, and it is cool, and it is wild. But most of the time, we have to go see professionals to do that. So I think um, for churches to not just accept that, but to say it out loud, like, of course, we will pray for you. And here's a great list of Christian counselors. Or here's some really great resources. Have some resources in the church, in the church lobby on depression, anxiety, so that it's not through a Christian worldview. So it's not taboo, but it's something we talk about in our church. Um, And then I think for the teens, goodness, if there would be youth pastors or youth programs who would talk openly about it in their teaching and in their things. And just like, you know, today you might be struggling with, um, gosh, Christmas time might be hard for you for this and this reason, but it also might create some anxiety or depression in you. Like if that's the case, and just start using those terms as normal terms um, to normalize it in the church so that teens aren't like, I'm crazy. I'm the only one. I don't have a place to talk about it here. Um, So they know that that's a safe space to talk about it. Yeah, I, I can think back to uh, maybe even less than a decade ago when, you know, people were trying, pushing more for, we didn't have a suicidal, uh, national suicidal hotline right. or anything like that yet. And, you know, the conversation seemed to be just starting around suicide. And I remember hearing some detractors saying, hey, if we if we talk about this more, if we normalize this, then suicide is just going to go through the roof. Uh, you know, if we, like people are going to catch on and the, if we talk about it, it's going to cause more of a problem. 
Um, and I was like, I, that doesn't make any sense to me because right. we already have such a huge problem. I mean, even if you just look at certain subsections of the population, teenagers, veterans, uh, mm-hmm. if you go through that, the suicide rate is astronomical. Um, so norm, if you talk about things, it's not going to necessarily make it happen more. It's just going to allow for conversation and support surrounding it. Listen, and, we're called to shine light in dark places. Yeah. Um, it's in the dark places that Satan slithers in and whispers lies to us when we're isolated, when we're alone, and when it's dark. So um, suicide is a very dark thing. Let's shine some light on it. So this is a problem. Jesus cares about it. He wants to help you. You're not alone. Like, if we don't talk about it, we're just letting the dark stay dark. And I, I don't think we're supposed to do that. Yeah, no, there's no healing, no healing in hiding. Um, so even though that may feel comforting in the moment. And on that note, I do think it's important for, for parents or church leaders to recognize that you may only get one chance whenever an individual, not to make it so that you feel some level of emergency, but maybe urgency. When, when a teenager comes and shares with you, it may just be once that they share with you, depending on your reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, they share about uh, something going on in their life and you, they get shut down, shamed, or made to feel like it's less than, they're not going to be coming back to this person to share again. Like, that's not a safe place. Right. Got they it. don't understand me. Right. Yeah. right, yeah, and and they'll move on. And where else do we want them going except to their parents, except to the church? Um, let's have a, a, an open dialogue there. You mentioned stigmas, misconceptions. Are there, are there more stigmas or misconceptions that, that you have uh, that, that others have had that you recognize surrounding mental health, specifically with teens, that you're like, man, I wish people would just stop with that um, or, or that you would like to address on, on the show? I'm so grateful. I think it's gotten so, so, so much better. I just even look at um, my teens and they like have stickers and shirts that say like mental health matters and like um like oh that's so cool we didn't even use the word mental health when I was in high school so I love how much better it is you know um mental health awareness month and May and then I believe September there's a mental health awareness day and I just love this so much this is becoming more of our society unfortunately though I do have um I've done a lot of interviews with people I have people that in their own churches they were told to just pray their anxiety away and they've been told that um medication isn't trusting Jesus enough. And like, listen, if I had a heart issue and my doctor told me to take medicine for it, I would, I would still pray. Um, but I would take the medicine that my physician told me to take. And I have seen people with mental health issues have medicine from a Christian psychiatrist or psychologist help, you know, an imbalanced chemical system be a balanced chemical equation. It's just chemistry. Um, so I, I guess the stigma of, of only relying on Jesus. I think we should rely on Jesus. Absolutely. But rely on what he gives us too. It's like that story about the man who prayed for rescue from the flood and God sent like, you know, an airplane and a helicopter and like he just went in a boat and he was just waiting for God to literally grab him. So he like let all those things go. Like Jesus is giving us psychologists and psychiatrists and um, scientific breakthroughs. And so let's not discount all the other resources that Jesus is giving us too as a way to rely on him. Yeah. And that, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. That crosses over into the medical realm. I remember a, a patient I had that came in with a blood glucose of just stupid, uh, stupid high. And, you know, after a while, the story came out, they were, they were saying, you know, 
I was praying and, you know, I believed God was going to heal me. And the best way I had heard, you know, pray fervent, effectual prayers and believe. And the best way that I could demonstrate my belief was stop my medications. And I'm like, whoa, okay, well, that didn't work. Um, so, you know, but and they ended up in the hospital in diabetic ketoacidosis. Scary, and it's, yeah. it's a big deal. Um, yeah. So, you know, I love that. It crosses over again to what you were saying about having trauma-informed leaders uh, who are keeping up on mental health issues, which is hard, and I'm having caveats, else, right? knowing your audience. <laughs> you know, they are listening to you. They they want to do their best in both their their faith walk and, and their life walk. Um, with your book, uh, as, as it's geared towards teens, a uh, mental health uh, guide for teens, what are some of those key messages or themes that you hope the readers, both parents and, and teens, are going to take away from your book after they get done reading it? I think the main theme I want them to know is that Jesus cares so much about them that he cares about their mental health too. Like this isn't something to blow off or just try to do on your own or like, I've got it, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm struggling, but I can just get through it. Like Jesus numbered every hair on our heads. He certainly cares if we are shaky or off or downright in a in a hard, dark place. He cares so much. So it is worth taking care of. You are worth taking care of. You're made in the image of God. Jesus calls you his masterpiece. He fearfully and wonderfully made you. He says you're royal, holy, and chosen. Like you're so worth this care. And if everyone who reads it could just get that, like I am worthy of this care because Jesus cares so much about me. That would be the best takeaway. Yeah. I, thought, I remember hearing in uh, in a class that I took uh, from a uh, one of my favorite professors, uh, Benny Durd Jr., um, and he would remind us that God literally, he writes our name on his hand. Uh, I think that's in Isaiah, but we are written on his hand. He cares so much uh, about us and everything that goes on. With that, uh, out of this book, uh, are there are there stories or, or things that people have told you uh, from reading the book that, that are inspirational or any specific stories of transformation or growth from teens that you've had yet? I think my favorite thing that I keep hearing is parents of teens saying like my teenager like owns this, like she's carrying it around with her or like he goes up every night and says, I'm reading my devotion now. Like um, parents who said, you know, I got this for my teen or I put it on their desk, like hoping they do it. And they're literally saying my teen is doing this every day. Um, So that to me, I'm like, okay, I know every day they are getting the word of God in them. I know every day they're being reminded of their value and some ways to care for their mental health. And like that is just all the glory to God. Praise Jesus for that. That's awesome. Now there is one question I'd like to end on, but uh, cause we're running out of time, but with, uh, with this, are there uh, upcoming projects or resources kind of related to that faith-based mental health um, that you're currently working on or, or and I know you had a book that may be more geared towards adults um, about restoration uh, coming out of the Psalms uh, yes. and maybe mentioning that. But what are some of those books or resources that, of yours that you would highlight in any upcoming projects you may have? Sure. So my last book is called Restore My Soul, and it is a book on soul restoration. And it is for adults, um, but there's 30 chapters. Each chapter focuses on a psalm and just how practical they are to our daily life today and for our own soul care. And then also each chapter ends with 
um, a few questions that so it can be done in a group or on your own, but just to kind of make those truths more solidified in your life um, and practical ways to walk through that. And then I also have an upcoming project. Um, it releases February 2024, um, an adult book that's um, specifically about how much Jesus cares for our mental health. So I'm excited for that one to release as well. Well, I'm, you're making yourself somewhat of a uh, go-to on this topic of mental health. Um, I love that. I'm sure you're learning so much along the way. Uh, And there's others that are out there. They're listening to this. They're like, yeah, I'm listening to this because I understand now my mental health is important. My journey with Christ is important. And it all intersects together with even my physical health. And all of that put together makes me a human being that's better and growing and becoming uh, all all along a positive person uh, along my journey of restoration. But if there's someone listening uh, and they're, you know, man, I just, I don't know how to connect with my kid. This sounds like a great resource. I don't even know why I'm listening. I feel discouraged. Um, and, and they're listening in and they, they're, they're wanting something, something more, uh, but discouraged today. If you had a word of encouragement uh, for the listener who's listening in, what would that be from Laura? And just say, listen, Jesus sees you and he loves you. Um, he promises to go before us and behind us and keep his hand on us always. He promises to never leave us. He has our night watchman who promises to never sleep. So if you feel like you have messed everything up, if you feel like you don't know where to start, if you feel like you've taken a hundred steps and none of them have gotten you forward, um, if you are in your own mental health scare or someone you love, like Jesus cares so much about you and he is with you, his hand is on you in this, um, and he just wants goodness for you. So it's not too late. You haven't screwed everything up. He's right there with you and he loves you and he only wants the best for you. So lean into him. Beautiful. And uh, Laura, thank you for taking the time today. Thank you for coming on Grace Story Podcast um, and you know, providing this resource along with others. And the one that you're, you're working on too, we'll be praying for you. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much for what you're doing to reach out and, and do more for the body of Christ. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a blessing. And for you that are listening, we appreciate you listening in today. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks, of course. But uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, on that app, give us a follow, tap a five-star rating, and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow there and hit the notification bell to never miss an episode. Like I say every time, there's no us without you. So continue on your journey of restoration. Get engaged, and we'll see you in two weeks for another episode. We'll be praying for you.